Thank you for downloading this sermon brought to you by the preaching ministry of Liberty Baptist Church of Las Vegas, Nevada, Dr. David Tice. For more sermons in both audio and video format, we encourage you to visit experienceliberty.com. Also, for a word of encouragement, insight, and biblical inspiration, follow Pastor David Tice's blog at davidtice.com. So without further ado, let's open our hearts to the Word of God. That was so good. Thank you so much. Take your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. You ever see Christians get in trouble? You ever look at somebody and say, how in the world? That's a child of God. Why are they in such a mess? Why are things going bad for them? Why, 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 why are they out there in, a, in the middle of trouble? It just seems like... Uh, like you know, where's God in this whole situation? Uh, tonight, we're going to read like seven verses, and we're going to read a story that is very, very familiar to, to uh, all of us. And, and, and the thing we're going to look at is this, Jesus, our help in the storm. I, I've subtitled this, How Do We Get in Trouble? How do we get in trouble? We have, we're going to read the story of, of the disciples going out into the Sea of Galilee. They wind up out in the middle of a storm. Jesus walks out to them. In fact, let me just read it rather than, um, in, rather than just tell you. In verse 45 of Mark chapter 6, the Bible says, after, after they had seen, after they had seen and witnessed Jesus feed 5,000. In fact, they were the instruments to reach and feed 5,000 people, probably more, that's 5,000 men, with women and children, probably about 15,000 people were fed that, that day. This, they were part of a miracle. They saw the creative work of God. They saw God recreate bread by the multitudes and feed, and there's 12 baskets full of bread that come back. They should have been amazed. They should have been thinking, wow, this is, this is God. This is, look who he is. Look what he has done. But we'll see at the end of this, at the end of this uh, reading that, that their hearts were hardened. They, 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 though they saw the miracle, and they, though they participated in the miracle, they still didn't understand completely who Jesus was. The Bible says, after they fed the 5,000, I love this. I love the way the Word of God is so specific. It says, and straightway, that's like immediately. They fed the 5,000. They bring the 12 baskets to Jesus, and Jesus says, okay, quick, quick, get in a boat. The Bible says, and straightway, he constrained them. The word constrain there means to compel. He said, come on, guys, get in the boat. You've got to get to where you're going, and you've got to get there quick. And straightway, he constrained his disciples to get in the ship and to go to the other side before unto Bethsaida while he sent away the people. Now, they were, they were near a city called Bethsaida, but there was a, there was a northern Bethsaida, and there was a, a, a a western Bethsaida, and he was sending them over there but, but near a, a town called Gennesaret. And the Bible says this, and when he had sent them away, he departed up into a mountain to pray. Now, he's taking care of the, the, the uh, disciples. He's gotten them in the boat. He's gone back to the multitude, and he said to the multitude, okay, now you've got to go. You've, it, it, you've, we've, you've eaten. You need to go home. Uh, the time, uh, I need to go up and spend some time with the Father. And so, he sends them away. He's got, the, he's got the, the, the disciples taken care of. They're in the boat, and they're going, uh, they're going uh, to 
the other side. The Bible says this, and when, and when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. So he comes back down. And by the way, there's like eight or nine hours of t- have, have gone by. He's up in the mountains spending eight or nine hours alone with the Lord. He comes back with the Father. He comes back now, and he's standing on the seashore. And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them. Now listen, the fourth watch of the night is three o'clock. It starts at three o'clock in the morning and ends at six o'clock in the morning. So in the fourth watch of the night, at three o'clock, by... At, 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 at the earliest, 3 o'clock, maybe as late as 6 o'clock, he comes walking to them. Uh, he, he sees them out there. They're out, still out on the sea. Now, this is amazing. Uh, he, comes, he, uh, he comes walking upon the, the sea and would have passed by. It's, he's walking by them as though he's going to pass by them, as though he doesn't see them. And, and we'll see why in just a minute. And the Bible says, and when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed that it was a spirit, and they cried out. They're, they're, they're afraid of what they've seen. I mean, you're out there in the middle of a storm. You're, you don't know whether you're going to live or die, and you see this ghost-like figure go by, and they start crying. But I think specifically they started crying out to to the Lord and saying, Lord, save us, help us, because the Bible says, uh, the, the, the Bible says in a, in a moment he comes to exactly to where they are. He's walking as though they're out here, and he's walking by them, and they start crying out because they're afraid. And the Bible says, for they all saw him and were troubled, and immediately after they cried out, he talked with them and saith unto them, Be of good cheer, it's I, be not afraid. And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure, and they wondered. Now why were they so amazed that he could do this? For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. Father, help me to communicate some truth from here. Uh, to your people, and uh, Father, that might help us understand how important it is that we be where we're supposed to be, and that we do what we're supposed to do, that we walk in obedience to you. Father, help us to understand that you give us clear-cut direction, and Father, as we follow that direction, we can avoid storms. And Father, I, I pray that you'll help me to com- communicate this truth, and I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Now, the first thing I want you to see from this is that Jesus always gives specific commands. He always gives us clear-cut directions. Here's what the Bible says took place. The Bible says very clearly, he said, the Bible says, and straightway he constrained his disciples to get in the ship and go to the other side unto Bethsaida while he sent away the people. Now, this is a picture of the a Sea of Galilee. Jesus was in northern Bethsaida. 
This is where they had fed the 5,000. So I, w- I want you to see this. Okay? Jesus is right here. Jesus told them, get in the boat and go directly to the other side, to Gennesaret, or again, that's called a western Bethsaida. He said, I want you to go get in the boat and go directly there. He did not say, go out in the middle of the sea. He didn't, it is, it's about nine or ten miles from here all the way to here. It's six miles from here to here. From here to here, it's one mile. Okay? A, uh, uh, the average boat can be rowed. It can, it, it can go two to four miles an hour if you have good rowers in the boat. That means that it would have taken them a, about a half an hour to get from where Jesus told them to go from, from where they were to where Jesus told them to go. It's very simple. Follow the shoreline. Go from Bethsaida to Gennesaret. Jesus knew that a storm was coming. You say, how do you know that? Because he's God. Jesus knew exactly what he was doing, and he knew exactly what he was telling them to do. So he said, quick, as soon as it's over, I mean, there's a miracle. You know, when a miracle takes place and you've fed all these people, there's all the people saying, whoa, look what happened. And Jesus said, okay, that's enough. Let's go. You know, church is over, and everybody just stands around until somebody starts flipping the lights because everybody's talking and they're doing that kind of stuff. That's what's going on. And Jesus said, no, none of that. You get in the boat immediately, and he constrains them. He compels them, get to where you're going. They had, a, they had a half hour trip, maybe 45 minutes if they're slow rowers, but these are professional uh, 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 fishermen. So, so they, they're now, they're, it's now eight or nine hours later, and Jesus has given them specific instruction. I want you to understand this. Look, God doesn't leave us in our world with no instructions. I've, I've read this passage over and over and over again and ha- actually have taught that sometimes Jesus sends us out in the midst of the storm because I never looked at the specifics. I've, 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 I've said sometimes God, it's God's will for you to be in the midst of the storm so he can deliver you from the storm. That's not the case here. Jesus didn't send them out into a storm. Jesus sent them to Gennesaret. They could have followed the shoreline and they could have gotten there in a half an hour. But they weren't where they were supposed to be. They, were, they, 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 they weren't where God intended them to be. And they find themselves in the midst of a storm. Look, God gives us specific directions in our life. I don't have to go searching. I don't even have to get down on my knees and beg God for direction. A lot of the direction I need is right here in the, in the Bible. I can go to this book and I can find specific directions about what I'm supposed to do as a husband. I'm supposed to love my wife unconditionally. I'm, to, I'm supposed to serve my wife. I'm supposed to treat my wife like she's more important to me than anybody else in the world. I don't have to have anybody teach. It's right there in the book. I'm supposed to, if, I'm supposed to in my house, I'm supposed to be the person responsible for everything in my house. As the head servant in my home, I should never let my wife take the blame for anything. That's what I'm supposed to do. As a father, I don't have to wonder, what am I supposed to do when my kid gets out of line? 
I'm supposed to correct my child. I'm supposed to bring my child up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And if somebody tells me not to do certain things, I need to say, what does the Bible say? I can get instruction about that. I don't have to question what I'm supposed to do as a child of God. Hey, there's some things I know that I'm supposed to do every day. I'm supposed to pray every day. I don't have to question that. I don't have to question whether or not I'm supposed to read the Word of God or be in the Word of God on a daily basis. I don't have to question. Hey, I don't have to question about whether I'm supposed to be in church. I mean, the Bible tells us very simply, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. You're here tonight in obedience to God. That's, that's what we're supposed to do. That's, I mean, we're supposed to, we need, listen, no, no matter what your feelings are, no matter how you, no matter what you're going through, God wants you to be around other Christians where you can get fellowship, where you can get encouragement, where you can get lifted up, where you can be taught the Word of God, where you can get prayed for. We need one another. I don't have to, I don't have to pray about that. I don't have to try and seek the face of God about that. It's there in the Word of God. I, as a child, I don't have to, um, I don't have to wonder, what should I do should I buy this car or that car? I don't have to. I can go to my father, to my earthly father, and say, Dad, what do you think about this car or that car? You say, why, why can I do that? Because the Bible tells me children obey your parents in the Lord. Children shouldn't have to worry about what college they're going to go to or what school they're going to go to or whether they're going to eat their green beans or not. You see, uh, you can go to your parents and you can say, because God says children obey your parents, and you can say to your parents, what do you think I ought to do about this or that? When, you get, when you're deciding about whether or not I should continue to date a girl or I shouldn't date a girl, a, 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 a guy doesn't have to wonder forever. I mean, he should love her, and if he loved, then he should be able to say, dad, what do you think I should do? What do you think I should do, Mom? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Get godly wisdom. I can get direction. Look, here's what happens. Hey, I don't have to worry about what I should do at work. If I've got an employer, I can go to my employer. The Bible says servants be in, in, in subjection to your masters, to, to, your, to your employers. So, so if I don't know what to do, if I don't know exactly what to do, I should be able to go to my employer and say to my employer, what do you think I should do? Well, I think he, man, he tells me to do it. That's a dumb way to do it. Hey, no question. Might be, might be dumb. But if he said to do it, God's word says obey him. Well, what if I get in trouble? Well, no, just do what your boss says to do. You see, we mess up because God gives us specific direction and we say, oh, we're going to do, do something else. We're going to do something else. I don't know how many times I've talked to people who have, I, I really don't know how many times I've talked to people and they'll say to me, they'll say to me, uh, you know what, preacher, I, I, man, I'll say, I haven't seen you for, for years in church. And they'll say, you know what? We just stopped going, and I don't even know why now. I don't even know what took me out of church. I have no idea. But man, my life is in a mess. My life is in, in terrible, sh I mean, divorce and problems and, and uh, 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 family problems and financial. And, and I think, man, you know why? 
You're not, you didn't take specific direction. You did, I, I have a friend right now who's about to totally mess up his life. I, 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 you would have no idea who I'm talking about. I have a friend who, uh, who is about to totally mess up his life. Why? And here's why. And, and I'm telling you, five years from now, if it takes that long, he'll be miserable, things will be wrong, and he'll wonder, why am I in the middle of this storm? And it's because he will not take specific instruction from, from the Word of God and from his spiritual leader. He just refuses to. He knows better. And that's the basic problem. Self-will is a horrible thing. The word iniquity in the Bible is the word self-will. I'm going to do what I want to do, and I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to figure this out. When a wife says, I'll not, I'm, I'm gonna, my husband's not telling me what to do, and she refuses to be in submission. She has no idea what she's doing. She's messing out on the blessing of God. She's putting herself in a storm. A lot of wives are saying, man, I, I'm in a miserable time. Or I'm having a miserable life. Why? Because this whole out-of-date, you know, non-politically correct thing about women submitting to their husbands is just is so totally absurd. You could have peace in your life as a wife if you just said to your husband, what do you think I should do? And then when he tells you what you should do, don't say, oh, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. You see, we get familiarity breeds content, and, and you're with him, and you've been with him for five years or 10 years or 15 or 30 years, whatever, and, and, and you know all the mistakes he's made, so how could God give you direction through him? Uh, listen, God says, God does not say, submit unto your perfect husband as unto the Lord. He does not say, submit unto your godly husband as unto the Lord. He says, wives, submit unto your husbands as unto the Lord. Period. That's what he says. Now, you say, what if they tell me to do something totally and completely contrary to God? If they tell you to do something totally and completely contrary to the word of God, then you go to the higher authority and you say, I've got to obey God rather than man. But you do that with a respectful attitude towards your husband. I'm just telling you, there's, there's, there's husbands that are, that, are, that are miserable because they're not doing what God has given them specific instruction to do. They're, they're no, listen, let's go back here. There, there's, that is nowhere, this, this is nowhere near this. And when Jesus comes out and he stands here, they're out here and he's saying, all oh, those boys, they don't pay attention. They, they got, they're out there in a mist. They're scared to death because they're not where they're supposed to be. And we get ourselves in a mess when we're not taking, doing exactly what we're supposed to be. Which brings me to the second point. Jesus wants us to practice instant obedience. Jesus wants us just to practice instant obedience. I remember years ago, Tom Popelka, a good friend of mine who's been an evangelist all across the country, he, he, uh, he's the man that really built a church called West Oakey Baptist Church here, took it from a struggling nothing church to a huge church and then turned it over to somebody else. It became Shadow Hills 
Baptist Church, and just was a, uh, he was just a really great preacher, good guy, good friend of mine. He was probably 15 or 20 years older than me, and so I, so uh, we became friends. Actually, after he left uh, Vegas, we became very good friends, and uh, uh, he would, he, as he was traveling, he would, he would take trips across the world to Europe, and he'd say to me, he'd say, Dave, I want you to come with me. I want you to come with me. And this is what I would say to him. I'd say, Tom, God called me to Las Vegas. I know this is where he wants me to be right now. This is where he wants me to be. I can imagine getting on a plane, going, heading towards Poland, and, uh, and I'm going to go there with you to Poland. When I get there, and, and, and what's going to happen is the plane's going to go down in the middle of the ocean. And then I'm going to stand in front of God, and I'm going to say, God, why did you let the plane go down? He's, and he'll say, David, where were you? And I would say, well, I was on a plane heading to Poland. He said, why? I called you to Las Vegas. See, God has a plan for your life, and you can get in on the plan, and it's not hard. People say, I wish I knew the will of God. Get in the word of God, pray, seek his face, and he'll give you specific direction for your life. You'll know what you're supposed to do. They're not where they should have been. My, my speculation is this. You say, what were they doing? I have speculation, total and complete speculation. I, I think probably they were just out fishing. I mean, there's some fishermen there. Maybe, maybe, maybe Peter and said to John and James, hey, let's teach Matthew, uh, the IRS agent, uh, how to fish. And so the, maybe they were fishing. I don't know. Maybe they were just out for a joyride. I mean, they liked the sea. They maybe just out. I don't know what. I don't know what made them stay out there and go that way. But, uh, and, and again, that's just my speculation. I have no idea. But I want you to understand, they weren't doing what God wanted them to do. If they were out having fun, that's great. Listen, there is nothing wrong with having fun unless you're disobeying direct commands. You understand that? Uh, when, my, when my children were young, I loved having fun with them. There's no, there's no problem having fun with them unless you're disobeying direct commands. And then when you're disobeying direct commands, you wind up in trouble. We need to make sure that to stay in the center of God's will so we stay out of the storm. Find out what it is that God wants you to do and stay where God wants you to be or go where God wants you to go because that's the safest place in the world. So I've, I've talked to missionaries and they, they're, they're going to places like Chile or going to places like Russia or going to places like China. And, and, and you say, man, how do you, is it, do, you, do you feel safe there? The answer is this. The safest place for anybody is in the center of God's will. Because if you're in the center of God's will, you're right there in the palm of his hand. It's when you get out of the will, when you disobey the direct commands, that you find yourself out in the midst of the storm. Now, listen, I'm not judging uh, everybody and saying, well, if you're having trouble, it's because you, you, you disobeyed. I'm not saying that. And, I'm, I, and God tells us very clearly We'll be talking about that next Sunday morning. Not this Sunday, but next Sunday. God says very simply, judge not, that you be not judged, for with the same judgment that you judge, you're going to be judged. But I'm just telling you this, you can stay out of a lot of trouble if you just check with God first. People will say to me, you know, I think I'm going to move to 
uh, Kansas, or I think I'm going to move to, uh, we're, we're thinking about moving to the other side of the world, or whatever, whatever. And I think, have you checked with God? Have you tried to get some spiritual advice? Do you know that there's a church there? Do you know that there's a place there where you're going to be fed the Word of God? Because if you move to this place that you think is ideal and there's no place for your family to be fed the Word of God, then you, in a few years, are not going to be happy. So listen, uh, get direction from God. Jesus wants us to practice instant obedience. Jesus gives us specific commands, and he wants us to practice instant obedience. I want you to see something else, I think, uh, that we learn from this. Jesus sent, uh, sent away the people. Let me, let me say this. There's, there's, times, there's times in our life when we are ministering and ministering. This weekend, we're going to be ministering to a couple thousand people here on this property. And we're going to be ministering and ministering. And when it's all finished, this is what you're going to be saying. <sighs> Can I tell you this? That if the disciples would have been where Jesus wanted them to be, they'd have been resting. They'd have got the rest that they wanted when they, were, when they went up to, uh, uh, to the wilderness where they were supposed to get away with the Lord. They'd have finally got the rest because Jesus wasn't with them, and they'd have been able to rest when they got to Western Bethesda. They would have got there, but they didn't. So, there's times that, that, that Jesus sent people away. Uh, can I say this? It's very important that we live by priorities, that we understand that, uh, we, there are, that we live and we make our decisions about what we're doing based on the priorities in our life. Our priorities are, number one, our relationship with God. Jesus said, okay, it's wonderful to minister to people. I want to minister to people. But Jesus himself had to get away. There's a time to serve, and there's a time to get alone with the Father. Anyway, you need to learn that from the Lord. If Jesus had to do this, then you have to do this. You have to get alone. You have to spend time with the Father. And I'm going to tell you this. Sometimes getting alone with the Father is work. It's like, oh, I, I know Jesus wants me to pray. Don't ever think, I'm not going to pray unless I feel like it, because then you'll never pray. I never feel like praying. I never feel like witnessing. I never feel like going door to door. I never feel like reading the Bible. You say, really? No. Yes, that's true. Well, I thought you were spiritual. I am. I am. And you know why? Because when I don't feel like praying, I pray. And when I don't feel like reading the Bible, I, I, I read the Bible. When I don't feel like going to church, I go to church. And when I, don't feel like, when I don't feel like doing those things, I do them. And you say, and, that, and you need to understand, that is spirituality. Now, every time I finish praying, I'm so happy I prayed. People, runners tell me this. You probably feel this way. Uh, that, that, it, that they don't want to run, but every time they finish running, they always say, I'm glad I ran. Is that right, Jamie? I mean, I'm not a runner. I tell people I'm not afraid of anything. I'm not running. So, but here's the deal. Uh, uh, people that exercise say, and I wish I could say I did, uh, the, when, when you do the things you know you're supposed to do, after you're very happy that you've done them. You have to 
do what God wants you to do. And, and getting alone with the Father, getting alone with the Father will make you, uh, will, will, will enhance your life. It strengthens your life. You need to get alone even when it seems like work to do it. When it seems like work to do it. My daughter Charity said to me this past week, she said, I was so tired Sunday morning and there was so much going on, I really didn't feel like going to church. Then she said she got here and she got to see somebody get baptized and it was, it was a thrill to her. Somebody she had personally dealt with. Then she got to deal with a young person that got saved and then she, got to, she said, I was so glad that I did what I didn't feel like doing. Jesus sent the people away at times, and there's times that you need to get away. There's times you need to get alone with the Father. There's times you just need to. Jesus went away to pray. Jesus went away to pray. I'm telling you, if you don't take time to pray, you're not going to be able to give. You, don't, if you, you can't give out unless you take in, and you've got to spend time with the Lord. So sometimes learning to say no to people is essential if we're going to be spiritually refreshed. Now, we can't say no to people all the time. I, I saw a, a preacher got a license plate that said, I, and then there was an H and an 8 in, in back of that, which was hate, and then it said PLP. I thought, man, I'd hate to have that guy as a preacher. I'd hate to have that guy as a preacher. Now, from time to time, from time to time, after you deal with people and people and people and people, you think, oh, I understand that. But man, if you ever have a preacher with that license plate, get away from the guy. I mean, uh, I hate people. There, there's, there's a time, however, we need to say no. It's essential if we're going to be spiritually refreshed, and Jesus did that. So, and let me say this, never fear being alone with the Father. Jesus went alone with the Father, and you really are never alone if you are alone with the Father. So, another thing we learned from this, quickly, Jesus saw the disciples struggling in the midst of the storm. I love this, as we get back to this story of Jesus, he comes down eight or nine hours later. They're supposed to be in Gennesaret. They're supposed to be uh, in western Bethsaida. That's where they're supposed to be, but they're not. They're out in the middle of the storm. They would have avoided the storm if they had gone where they were supposed to, but uh, Jesus knew exactly where they were. They, 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 were, they, were, where they were. They were where they were not supposed to be. You ever catch your kids where they're not supposed to be? You ever see them doing something they're not supposed to do? Or eating something they're not supposed to eat? Uh, yeah, you do that. I, I, we as parents see our kids doing things. I love the Lord's response. It's the fourth, it's the fourth watch or the third watch. It is, it is 3 o'clock in the morning or whatever watch it is. It's, it's 3 o'clock in the morning, somewhere between 3 o'clock and 6 o'clock in the morning. Jesus has been praying. He's not been sleeping eight or nine hours. He's been praying for eight or nine hours, and pray, praying wears you out. It gives you spiritual strength, but it can wear you out physically. He comes down. He sees them not where they're supposed to be. Again, they got in trouble because they got themselves in trouble, but he didn't forsake them. Isn't that great? You get yourself in trouble, and God doesn't say, you idiot. 
He doesn't look at you and say, you, you, you never pay attention. You never listen. I told you what to didn't do that. He did not do that. I think they were out there doing that to themselves. Why did we come out here in the first place? Tom, you know, can you hear Matthew saying, I didn't want to learn how to fish. And, and Peter saying, well, you idiot. And, and I mean, just, just back and forth. Can you imagine what was going on? The blaming of each other, the things that were taking place in that boat. They got themselves in trouble. It wasn't, it's, and, and by the way, it's not God that gets you in trouble. It's you wandering away doing your own self-will that gets you in trouble. And, and, uh, and uh, when we get in trouble, God is still there. So what does he do? Jesus wants them, and, and he wants you and I to do this when we're in trouble. Jesus wanted them to call out to him. So the Bible says, says specifically that he, that he acted like he was walking by them. He's, we see that in Scripture in different places. In Genesis, in your notes, Genesis chapter 32 and, and verse 26, the Bible says, and he said, let me, let me go. Remember that Jacob fighting with, with the Lord? And the Lord said, let me go, let me go. And he said, no, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. God wanted to bless Jacob, but he wanted Jacob to, to ask for the blessing. There was a time where the Bible says, and they drew near unto the village whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone farther. Same thing is taking place here. Jesus is walking by them. He's walking by them. In fact, I, what I picture is that they're out there in the middle, and he's walking the way he should have gone. He's walking to Gennesaret, and they, and they see him. And when they saw him, they cried out. He acted like he was walking by, but then they see him, and then they cry out. And I, I think they cried out, not believing that was him. They're scared, so they're crying out to, to God. Oh, help us. We're, I know we're not supposed to be out here. I know we're, we're doing something we shouldn't be doing, but help us. God, help us. And he's always there when we cry out. I love, I love the fact that Sam Brown came in here and said and told us the story of how he was on fire, and he simply yelled out, Jesus, save me. You don't have to be eloquent. You don't have to know everything. You don't even have to be, you don't have to have it all down. You just cry out to Jesus. Jesus wants us to call out to him. Now, I love this too. In verse 50, look at verse 50. It says, for they saw him and were troubled and immediately, he started yelling at them, what are you doing out here? No, the Bible says, and immediately, he talked with them, and he said unto them, be of good cheer, it's I. Be not afraid. And then the Bible says this, and he went up unto them into the ship. He got in their boat full of troubles, and the wind ceased and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure, and they wondered. Jesus is a God of comfort. We get ourselves in trouble, and he comes up when we call on him. By the way, if you're in trouble right now, I don't care if it's financial trouble, if it's family trouble, if it's physical trouble, if it's, 
uh, emotional trouble, or if it's trouble at work, all he's wanting is for you to call on him. Jesus said, call unto me. Or, or in Jeremiah, Jehovah said, call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which thou knowest not. You know why? You know why Jesus is not working in Israel right now? The Bible tells us very simply, he's waiting for them to call on him. We can figure out every human way to fix what's going on in Israel. He's waiting for the nation of Israel to call on him, and they're going to. In the middle of the tribulation, the Antichrist is going to be is rising. He's going to be demanding their worship, and they're going to turn to Jehovah God. They're going to turn their eyes to Jesus. They're going to call. That passage in Jeremiah that says, call unto me, he's talking to Israel they're in, as they're going into Babylonian captivity. He's saying, tell them to call on me. Call on me. And the, the same thing is true with you. Jesus says, come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. As individuals, we're going through struggles. Jesus is waiting for us to call on him. He's walking by the boat. He's walking by the boat. Man, we get scared. No, call on him. Call out to Jesus. The Bible says, this is what happened, he talked to them. I love this. He didn't lecture them. He didn't lecture them. What he did was encouraged them. You want some encouraging words from Jesus? Call unto him. His words and his presence are always a comfort to his children. He's not the one that's making you feel guilty for what you've done wrong. He paid for all of your sin. He's not the one that's, that's dragging you through uh, misery. He loves you. He wants you to call on him. By the way, call on him as your brother and pray to him as your father. Talk to him as your father. Use this you use the term Jesus said to use when you talk to him. I am, I am my son's pastor. And only in formal settings does he ever call me Pastor Tice. Here's what he calls me. Dad. Or when I call, when I, when I call him on the phone, he says, hey, pops. You know what? That's a term of endearment, and I love it. There's some other terms that my kids use for me that I will not tell you. But they're terms of endearment. And, and I, I, uh, I, I wouldn't want them to come to me, my kids or my grandkids, and say, hey, Dr. Tice or Pastor. I want them to address me as their father. Grandfather would be well. But uh, the... I'm just telling you, I want them to have that comfortability of coming to me. Jesus is a God of comfort. His words and his presence are always comforting. Be of good cheer, he says. Be not afraid. And then I love it. Again, I've already said this, but he walked right into their trouble. He walked right into your trouble. You know where you want Jesus? You want him in the middle of your trouble. <laughs> you want him right there. You're sick in a hospital, you want him right in there with you. You're not feeling well, you want him there. You're having financial problems, let him know. And don't say, I don't know how I got into this. Tell God exactly how you got into it. I, I know we were supposed to go to Bethsaida, but I, we wanted to go out here and we wanted to play in the water. And uh, 
I know the storm. I, I should have known that you knew the storm. So, so uh, he, when, when he's there, everything's going to be all right because he immediately stills the storm. He'll still the storm. He said, uh, we know in another place, he says, peace be still. It's over. When he gets involved, you say, well, what if I still feel like we're still out there in the boat? Here's the deal. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto, unto thine own understanding. Get him in the boat with you. And then in all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. Even out of the storm. The Bible tells us in, the very, in verse 53, and when they had passed over, they came unto the land of Gennesaret. When Jesus is in the boat, you'll get to where you're supposed to be. And he'll get you back where you're supposed to be for the last eight or nine hours. Or eight or nine years. Eight or nine days, eight or nine weeks. Just get him in the boat with you. Now, I think this is interesting. This is just sort of a side note, but that it's mentioned here at the end. Jesus amazed the disciples. And when, you're, when, when Jesus is working in your life, he, he's amazing. He amazed his disciples. Uh, and the Bible says beyond measure. The Bible says they wondered how he could do this. And we do that, don't we? How in the world is God going to get us out of this mess? How in the world is God going to fix the United States government? I don't care. How's God going to fix my car? How's God going to help me pay my bills? How God, how's God going to, you know, the truth of the matter, we look and we think God can't do anything about that. That's why we call the banker. That's why we call our neighbors. That's why we do everything else except call on him. They wondered how in the world, how did he do this? And here's what God says. Here's what God's word says. It says, they did not consider the loaves. What does that mean? I'll tell you what I think that means. I think that means that they didn't, if he had the ability to create bread, then he's the creator. If he has the ability to create bread, then he must have control of all <coughs> creation. They should have known, hey, wow, we're talking to somebody who can multiply bread. He can create something out of nothing, five loaves and two fishes, and he feeds 15,000 people. They didn't consider what that meant. They didn't consider, consider that he must be the creator. And if he's the creator, he's the controller. And he can say no to the wind. It's time to stop. The Bible says this, and, and we need to guard our hearts. The Bible says their hearts were still hardened to the truth of who he was. These were his disciples. These were the people that were closest to him, but they did not recognize who he was. We need to, we need to be careful. We need to determine that if God gives us specific instructions and if we want to stay out of the storm, we better check with him and obey exactly what he says. When we're going through trials, he's not going to forsake us. He has not forsaken us, but he's waiting for you to ask him to get in your boat. He's waiting for you to call on him. And when you call, in, when you call him into your trouble, he'll not condemn you. He'll comfort you. And he'll get you to shore. What an amazing story. And that's our God. Maybe you don't know Jesus. Do you know for sure if you're going to heaven? If you don't, call on him. 
All you have to do is say, Jesus, save me. He'll save you. Father, I thank you for the truth of this story. I pray, Father, you help us to learn this principle of instant obedience to your specific commands. Help us not to try to edge around them if they seem unreasonable. Help us just to do what your word says to do. Follow your instructions so we stay out of trouble. We hope that message was an encouragement to your heart. Now for weekly updates and for information about Liberty Baptist Church, be sure to follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC of Las Vegas. Well, that's it for today. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, God bless.